Hello and welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers, the podcast for people who are curious about how to have a more fulfilling work life. We live in a world largely driven by numbers, logic and reason. But how we feel at work and about our work impacts us, our organisations and society. There is a relationship between the numbers of our organisations and the life beyond the numbers. I'm Susan Michrielon, your host. I've lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't. People who bring their full selves to work and people who won't. But one thing that I've learned that is common to us all is that we are all unique and have unique experiences. And it's helpful to know that there are others who think like we do, or have had struggles too, or have gone where we want to go, or can show us things we didn't know. So join me and my guests as we place a lens on the human side of work life by sharing insights, stories and strategies to inspire you to let your uniqueness shine. Today, I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Sam Allen. Sam, you're so welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers. Do you know, I feel that welcome in every sense. And I'm secretly wishing that we were in a pub in Dingle, in some kind of little snug, you know, having this conversation. So I'm just going to imagine that right now. (laughs) Oh, wow. And I can imagine that as well, funnily enough. (laughs) You know what? I wouldn't mind sitting over a fondue or something in Switzerland as well. Yeah. Nice glass of white wine, some cheese. Mm. (laughs) Exactly. So that's the image we've conjured up for this episode, if you're listening. You can choose (laughs) Dingle or Switzerland. (laughs) You know what? I reckon now that we've set the scene, I could read a little poem just to kind of, you know, invite people into the creative space of our conversation. What do you think? So, you know, what I'm going to say is that there are going to people that are going to go, poetry are you insane (laughs) but you have not heard sam's poetry so please listen because there are other people who are going yes (laughs) so go for it sam read us a poem oh so what i'm gonna read you actually i know you enjoyed this one season and it's called eye of the beholder your truths what makes you beautiful which story are you telling The real and not the dutiful is what makes you compelling. Your voice is such an instrument. May your words be authentic. For when you are in sync with them, they'll feel how much you meant it. We don't need to gloss over it. We don't need to restrain it. Your life, you are the boss of it. Your message, do not tame it. For who you are is immutable. It's time to start rebelling. Your truths, what makes you beautiful. Which story are you telling? 
Ooh. And which story are you telling, Sam? <laughs> you know what? The story I'm telling today is a mixed one, actually. Susan, I'm coming from two different places right now. I'm coming from a crazy house cleaning experience, which is a once in a lifetime thing for me. And also from some news that I received in my family with regards to a family member who has now been diagnosed with cancer. So I'm coming from this, this kind of double place as we often are in life. And I'm being with both of those things and accepting them both. Which, that word acceptance, it's an interesting one because I think a lot of us grapple with how, how do we accept something that we don't want it to be like that? You've just mentioned a family illness and cancer, and I think most people listening will have had a member of family who's experienced cancer or they may have themselves and we don't want to accept that do we oh no way to imagine a loved one suffering being in pain going through this process is awful and yet it is a part of life and it's bloody hard to accept and yet it's really the only option we have (laughs) and I think like in my case anyway what I notice is that when I feel that resistance coming then just acknowledging it and allowing it to be there is one step on that path towards acceptance and I don't think we I know that I don't I don't think we accept from one second to the next I think it's a process but I do believe a lot of it is softening to our experience so softening into what's hard that helps me anyway and my dad was such a good teacher when it came to that softening into what's hard I really like that yeah yeah because we often like you know even on a physical level when we received challenging news we're often tensing right up I don't know about you but I know my belly goes really kind of tense and you can sort of feel it physically and of course that's natural because it's the body trying to protect us (laughs) from harm and stuff and pain and we do have a choice we can notice that's there not try to force it to be different but just gently allow those muscles to relax a bit more just gently allow our minds to take things a bit slowly those things help me you know oh I do and I remember quite viscerally even I can still remember the feeling last year because my dad had a cancer diagnosis early last year yeah and I can remember going to CrossFit at 6.30 in the morning the following day. It was like the 3rd or 4th of January after getting the news. And just not being able to lift weights. And literally my heart wasn't in it. That's what was going on. I I couldn't get the the coordination of everything. And I was trying to push myself because my body, my brain, whatever, was in a bit of shock. Yeah. And upset. Yeah. Yeah. And our bodies are wise. And when the body has received big information like that, and I'm so sorry to hear about that, by the way, it does have a response and it tries to speak with us. And and I feel like part of it is this coming into communication with the body, you know, not seeing it as something separate from the mind, from the heart, from the soul. It's like we're we're one, actually. And it's all information. It is all information and it can be interpreted in many ways. But ignoring it doesn't really help. I think that's the thing more than anything. Totally. And it also takes me a little bit to, as women, 
how we're often fairly judgmental about our bodies because we're raised to think we need to look a certain way or have our hair a certain way, have big boobs or whatever. Or little ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever it is. And yeah, so I feel like as women, I'm, and I realize I'm generalizing a little bit here, but I feel like we have work to do in ourselves to actually come into that acceptance that whatever physical shape we're in, <laughs> that our bodies are our temples, actually, and that we can be kind to them and honor them, however they look on the outside and show them love. <laughs> so that's what comes to me when you speak to that. Which reminds me of another poem. Aha. Uh -huh. From yes. Body, which is one I absolutely love as well. Would you do me the honor of reading that one, Sam? It's seen as though it's come up because we got onto body topic. I'm yeah, happy. if you I'm can happy. find it. <laughs> if these listeners can take some more poetry already, then let's do Of course it. they can. <laughs> Pour yourself a drink. <laughs> so this one's called Sun Body. You're beautiful the way you are. Yes, <laughs> with the lumps and bumps and scars with all the crow's feet and the wrinkles, the hair's gone gray, the teenage pimples. You're beautiful, nothing to change. Must not your own face rearrange. It tells a tale of stories lived. The way you are has much to give. The moles, the blemishes, the frizz, <laughs> all parts of what a real life is. The love handles and cellulite want your acceptance. Yes, that's right. Imperfect, quirky, that's the norm. Let's celebrate our human form, the natural you or take you far. You're beautiful the way you are. And if you could see what I can see now, <laughs> and I know you can't, but Sam does live recitals as well, and we'll we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later. But I can embody that feeling, Sam, because you you and I, I think it's from the first poem when you talk about your voice being an instrument, your voice is an instrument, your words are an instrument, but when you use your voice to express your poetry, it's a different experience. Thank you. I just got goosebumps when you said that to me. It moves me that you say that because my life purpose is speak truth with love. And I just feel so much myself when I am reciting poetry. It's like the most natural kind of channeling thing. And it came to me, um, this whole thing really, in a very sad time, going back to parents and stuff like that. When I lost my father back in 2015 to pancreatic cancer, I was distraught. He was my hero. He was my absolute, absolute role model in life. And as I was walking to work, I was a teacher at the time, I honestly didn't know how I was going to overcome these feelings of grief and sadness and anxiety and stuff like that. And suddenly I just had this message and it really felt like an intuitive hit. I was being told, write stuff down, write it down. So like there I am, it's winter, my hands are like freezing cold. And I think, what am I going to write into? So I take my phone and I begin tap, tap, tapping into my phone. 
and these poems just appear. And I'm like, oh, where did that come from? I mean, I always like words. And I maybe when I was a kid, I used to write the odd poem, but they were just kind of pouring out of me. And so really the joy that I find in reciting came from a desperately sad time in my life. And so much healing has come for me through this. And what I'm really happy about is when I receive feedback that there's healing for other people through my words too, that they can feel something, that they can relate to something, that maybe they find this tiny little bit of peace or acceptance in themselves as a result of of having heard my words. So yeah, (laughs) thank you for saying that because this really is my passion. It does come across, you're radiating as we speak and... I guess you've given us an idea of where that's come from, Sam. And you've just written a book called The Wild Feminine Spirit, Poems of Liberation and Love. And it's one thing to tap, tap, tap into your phone and find that you have a way with words. It's a whole other thing to risk perhaps putting yourself out there for the world. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, it really is. I I underestimated that, actually, because I've been sharing my poetry now for a number of years on social media, recitals on Instagram and stuff like that, mainly written, some spoken stuff. And, And then everybody was telling me over the years, why don't you write a book? I would so love that. And I don't know, I was putting it off. I was saying, oh, I don't need to be published. And would people buy a poetry book and all this stuff? lots of kind of limiting beliefs around it, I guess, until this moment when it suddenly just became crystal clear that this was the time. (laughs) And that's kind of my process. And I'm often like that in life. I suddenly just have this thing and I know. And so then I went about creating the book. I can tell you some more about that later. And when I finally did publish it, I have to admit, it felt super vulnerable to be actually creating something that people could physically hold and keep with them as a thing, an object. (laughs) I'm seeing you there holding the book. And it's like, yeah, it was was a, a stretch. It was an expansion for me. And I know the first week when it came out, I mean, mostly I was just overwhelmed by wonderful response and and acknowledgement and validation. And I was also like, yeah, wondering how people would receive it and, you know, would they like it? And yeah, it felt like kind of bearing my soul in a more permanent way than I'd done before. Yeah, there is something very permanent, isn't there, about black and white? Yeah, there really is. Even though it isn't when you think of it, because books come and go and, you know, you're the permanency of it, but yeah, we're not permanent either, as we know. But I think what you said about other people getting healing through it or getting inspiration, that's such a gift to give to the world. And when we started this conversation before we pressed record, which we nearly got into a massive conversation and we had to stop, but (laughs) creativity, it's something that all humans have, but many of us forget what we saw as creativity when we were kids a part of us we took for granted or don't know what creativity is in our lives and yet there's I'm not trying to put words into your mouth here but the joy you received from such a difficult time was that perhaps connection with your own creativity which was also being denied 
totally. It was a reconnection process, actually. As a child, I was super creative. I was doing lots of musical theatre. And when I think about my childhood and I think about how I spent my hours, it was with lots of my girlfriends and I would make up songs and sometimes poems, actually, to be fair, but mainly songs. (laughs) And they would rhyme. And I loved spending my time doing that. They'd always have a little bit of humour in them. And yeah, even in school and stuff, doing drama and then theatre studies at university, everything was very creative. And then I, I feel like I went through this phase in my adult life, in my working life, where I lost connection from that. And as a result of losing that connection, it felt like I lost part of myself. It felt like I wasn't being as authentic because I was trying to fit into a mold And in a certain part of my working life, I was really trying to keep under the radar, to be honest. So gradually I was shrinking because this is such a big thing in me. So my process really was due to that time, reconnecting to that creativity and taking it seriously, that need in me. And I think we have a way to go with creativity generally in society, because I still feel like sometimes we're associating that word with performance or artsiness or talent and all this actually I I believe creativity is more about just allowing your soul to express itself in a certain way about finding something new from something old about letting feelings be channeled in the way that they want to and and in the case of my partner who doesn't think he's creative at all (laughs) but he is you know it can be more practical and resourceful I mean he's very pragmatic person and he can actually see space very clearly so he can see already in a room if he moved one object in one place and another in another that this would create more space whereas I can't see life like that and for me that is a creative gift to be able to do that so for anybody listening if you're thinking I don't really have a creative bone in my body I totally challenge that I believe that we're all innately creative. And the more we can reclaim that part of ourselves, the more authentically we can show up in life and the better leaders that we can be in our personal and professional lives. Absolutely. And I don't even know where to go because I'm like (laughs) so bought into everything you said. It's like, let's just stop recording there. That's enough. (laughs) That's all you need to do is go and explore, find that creative bone. I think what you said was taking it seriously and I think that's the thing perhaps we find difficult to do because we don't see it as serious yeah if we're in an office or in an organization to us serious is the opposite of creativity yeah right and we cannot take the creativity serious because that means we're wasting time we're not being serious and that's the disconnect or the divide and now perhaps some of us express ourselves outside of work through hobbies or or whatever but many of us are doing I think what you described Sam shrinking yeah right and it makes me feel sad because I know it because I did it and it also makes me feel sad now for people that are still doing that and you don't have to you really don't have to neither should you (laughs) because we're here to express who we are we're here to be fully tapped into our essence and actually to be expressing ourselves in an authentic way and it's our birthright to do that you know and of course there are always expectations and rules and politics in any workplace that we're in we'd be lying if we said otherwise and yet still the more we can show up as who we are the more we can serve in our work 
And that's the bit I think also that needs to be taken more seriously. And you do this type of work, Sam. Yeah, yeah, I do. So I'm just imagining you walk into, let's just say, a team in an office, okay, and in a big pharmaceutical company, right? I'm just making this up, hypothesis. And you say to them, you all need to know who you are. Yeah. How does that go down? Well, I think if I was to open up just like that, (laughs) I really could picture that, by the way. I would have rolling eyes, raised eyebrows, some kind of like sideward glances. Who does this woman think she is? She's a (laughs) woo-woo. So, of course, it's going in gently. As we were speaking at the beginning about with the body and stuff, This is not about suddenly getting naked in your workplace, but it's just about bringing a little bit more of you because it's our quirks, it's our personal traits, it's our talents and our skills that's actually adding. So I'm a firm advocate in creating workplaces where you really can bring your whole self to work as Mike Robbins advocates for hugely in his book, bring yourself to work, bring your whole self to work. And some of that involves risk, right? Because to be ourselves is to be vulnerable. And I'm remembering in the book, he talks about the waterline of the iceberg, where we tend to be operating, you know, from here, (laughs) I'm like now gesturing under my head upwards. So we're just basically speaking out from our heads and not really revealing that much about what's going on for us. And so I think the aim is not so much to lower that waterline so far that it doesn't feel safe, but it's just lowering it a little bit and letting a little bit of your personal experience be seen and communicated. And of course, to be able to do that in our workplace, we really do need to feel safe. So it's about fostering a work culture where people can have a voice, where they can be human and where they can share that humanity openly in a way that's appropriate for the environment. Because that, of course, also breeds connection. And if we want to have team spirit and we want to be working together as a team, then we need to be able to see who we are. So, yeah, that's a lot of the work that I'm doing in teams and themes that's coming up a lot (laughs) in my work as a leadership coach and trainer, yeah. Yeah, and we like to pursue technical stuff. We like to learn more about the models of good behavior or what the latest science journals are saying and actually that word connection it's it's about connecting with ourselves as well and even being conscious that there is an iceberg and that there's something down beneath your head is a good start exactly you make such a good point there really because Sometimes we get to a stage where we've forgotten how it is to connect to ourselves at all. We don't really know what's going on because we're being mom and friend and, you know, all the rest of it. And so some of it is actually about coming back to self and actually spending time with yourself, even if it's just a small pocket of time when you can, and actually noticing what's really happening in my emotional world right now. What's actually there? What's What am I being present to? And slowing down again a little bit you know taking a moment to go inside and I think during the pandemic we all did have more of those moments because that's how life turned out and I think that's a good thing that we had this time where we had to be more self-reflective and so my wish for people now is as the things are ramping back up and have been for many months that we don't lose sight of the need to stay connected to ourselves 
so that we can then connect with others and have meaningful interactions that grow and expand us and our workplaces. Yeah. And creativity, I feel, is going to be a natural byproduct of that or will naturally flow yeah from that ability to self-express yeah exactly and you know what I feel (laughs) I'm just remembering some meetings that I used to have in previous workplaces and it would always be sat down at the end of the day when I was absolutely bloody knackered and didn't feel creative at all it just felt like I was being forced into a space listening to lots of information and details so my vision (laughs) more for meetings is that the actual space feels more dynamic that we I think you don't necessarily need to have long meetings actually I think you can make meetings shorter maybe have them standing if that feels right for you and your team have a little playful icebreaker to start the meeting before you go into the nitty-gritty and yeah just find alternative ways have some music that you listen to at the start of the meeting and just like mixing it up a bit so so that kind of energy can come in my body's moving as I'm saying this but you know watching you (laughs) no otherwise people I mean I used to just switch off I used to like It would go in one ear and out the other. And I'd be thinking, oh, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? And yeah, what a waste. When this this precious time on this earth, why not create meeting spaces where actually people kind of enjoy them? It's possible. Oh, it's it's completely possible. Completely. And as you're saying that, I'm wearing through the many millions of wasted minutes in meeting rooms over the years. And I think the thing that comes to mind often for me is the leader. Yeah. The mood setter. Yeah. Especially given how hierarchical the organization is. If you have somebody that can be at the level of everyone else in the room, you can pretty much do anything. But once you have that hierarchy or that power, what's the word I'm looking for? Not it's not disaggregated, but it's not even. Yeah. Yeah. Imbalance, a power imbalance. It's almost impossible. Totally. I'm smiling also because I'm remembering a leader that I used to work for. She's now a dear friend of mine. She was amazing. (laughs) It was in a school and uh, she was telling us about this pyjama day that she wanted to have for the kids. It was a charity thing, you know. And so she, you know, started to speak about the event. And then one person from the team, from the staff said, oh, so you're going to be wearing your dressing gown then to the leader? And she says, oh, gosh, no, I couldn't wear my dressing gown. It's got my breakfast all down. (laughs) Everyone just cracked up laughing because she was so real. And there was always these moments like that where she would she would very much be in her self-authority as a leader. You weren't going to muck her around, but she could also get on the level and again, kind of cheerlead the humanity and the um, that kind of fun. Yeah. Shared laughter and lightness really made you feel like you could be on board and you wanted to do whatever it was that she was suggesting. Such a skill that in leadership. It is, it really is. And it's so overlooked or undervalued, whatever phraseology we want to use. Effectively, it's ignored. Yeah. And it's back to, it seems like we're not taking things seriously if we're laughing about them. Yeah, yeah. Which is just the opposite, actually, (laughs) because the laughter is the opener 
when we laugh, I mean, I'm do- as I speak to it, my hands go open and I feel my chest feeling more open because I feel like I'm receiving something. And when we laugh, we're actually quite present to what's happening, you know? So yeah, I think that <laughs> more laughter, more creativity, more shared humanity. Yeah, that's what we need. <laughs> Yeah, and I do like that, that because we are absolutely more present when we laugh. And in yeah. fact, one of the things I would say to somebody is, if you want to know whether you're present or not, smile. Yeah. <laughs> because the minute you smile, everything shifts. Like <laughs> We're both li- like smiling our heads off right now. <laughs> but it's so true, isn't it? It so is. It so is. And I think I want to go back to your poetry again. You've written around a bunch of different themes, like truth, freedom, fire, pleasure, self-love and love. And many of the poems are about serious things. Yeah. You're deep and meaningful. And yet there's that quirkiness that you talk (laughs) about, that character that comes in, that you find yourself going on an emotional roller coaster in eight lines where one minute you're like lumping my throat oh no and then the next minute you're like I can't believe she just wrote that yeah oh thanks that you share that it makes me happy to hear you say that because um one thing I never want to do is take myself too seriously (laughs) and I'm a person that is both very deep and very light And I feel like the way into our depth is through our lightness as well. So if we can't be a little bit kind of humorous about ourselves and see the funny side, then yeah, I think that's a shame. Taking life too seriously is also not a good thing. And taking ourselves too seriously. Well, taking ourselves too seriously is no help at all. (laughs) (laughs) It really isn't. It's a recipe for disaster. And I was lucky enough to grow up in a house where on the cupboard in the kitchen, we had a Garfield poster that says we must all learn to laugh at ourselves. It still brings out that lightness and lightheartedness in me. So I would love for somebody to experience this roller coaster if possible. And things I cannot be with. Not only does Sam write these amazing poems, but ever since I've met her, and we've never actually met, this is the first time we've spoken, but we met at a workshop. I'm rhyming when I think of (laughs) Sam. And I love the license that they don't have to rhyme. Yeah, totally. And this one doesn't. I'm guessing you want me to read it. If you would, at least some of it. (laughs) And you know what? I'm also going to be really transparent here and say, as I love reciting full stop, and what I notice is it feels more vulnerable to read ones that don't rhyme to me because in the rhyming ones, there's a kind of like cadence and rhythm and I can almost like dance inside of it as I read it. The ones that, and I've never read this one aloud, by the way. Yeah, so this is different altogether. So here we go. Things I cannot be with. Over seriousness. Busy roads with no proper pavements. Too much small talk. Ugh. The word cool when used as an attribute to aspire to. People that fact me off. Fickleness. Superficiality. Blatantly opportunistic behaviour. 
complacency, overt judgment, the feeling of being silently judged, ordering fish in a restaurant and discovering I have to fillet it for myself, being in buildings for too long, homophobia, any phobia based on rejecting a minority due to their supposed non-conforming to a social norm. Noisy evenings. People who assume they know more without even asking. Black ice. Being in busy airport gate checking queues. Being static. Being told what I'm thinking or feeling. Bitchiness. Glass half emptiness. Maps. People who assume all women are good in the kitchen. Or should be. Or even want to be. Saying goodbye to people I love. Competitiveness. Violence. The smell of Cointreau, don't ask. <laughs> One-way conversations. People who have loud mobile phone conversations on public transport. Hypocrisy, fakeness. And you know what? I'm not actually sure if that's the official end of that poem, but I don't see a second page. <laughs> we'll leave it there. The funny thing is, Susan, is that I, I loved writing this one so much that a, a year on, I decided to write more things I cannot be with. So the next book that I publish, I will definitely include that one. And I would also say to people listening, if you can write yourself one of these just for the actual healing of it, you just write things I cannot be with. And you literally write a list of those things that really, really drive you nuts. It's so fun. <laughs> it is. And Sam actually challenged us in this group we were in to all have a go. <laughs> And it was very cathartic <laughs> to write this list full of kind of just silly things, for want of a better word. And I use light, lighthearted. I think that was the thing. But also serious stuff like yeah. saying goodbye to people I love. And mm. when you read that in the middle of quite a lighthearted, it shifts the mood again. And I think that's the emotional roller coaster I talk about, Sam. Yeah, yeah, I hear you actually. And just in this very moment, as you share that, it's really helping me because it's making me more aware of my impact um, because I think it's something that I almost take for granted in myself, but there's something that happens there that emotionally that I'm able to convey. So I really appreciate you articulating that. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And we won't have time now to go into many more, but there's a few lines I'd love to just yeah, mention sure. that really stand out for me. Yeah. So there's a poem called Choose Life. Yeah. And in that, this is a line that I'm actually meaning to put on a post-it on my wall. <laughs> because there's a line that says, you are a gem, you're here to shine. Mm. And I just think that is so simple and beautiful and a reminder that we're all unique. Yeah. like a diamond all unique and we're here to shine totally and I feel like it's that little spark in us that we need to keep unveiling and, and keep polishing to, yeah polishing exactly 
It reminds me also, there's a, I, I sing in a gospel choir and you may have heard of the song, Let Your Light Shine, Let Your Little sh- Light Shine, I think it's called, or Let It Shine. I'm not sure. <laughs> I can't remember the title exactly, but it's all about that same thing. It's about that little spark, that little gem, letting it, like you say, be polished, be sparkle, shine. It's very simple and um, pure and almost childlike. And as adults, we do not want simplicity for some reason. We think there has to be more. It can't be that simple. Yeah. And it is. It is that simple. Yeah. The simplest things often bring the most pleasure. I think about in my life, I'm so I'm writing poetry every single day. I've been doing that for, for seven years now since the passing of my dad. My mornings start very early and I go out into nature. And I'm either running or walking. And this kind of stimulates the creative energy for me. But it's those moments when the world hasn't quite woken up, particularly in like spring, when everything's starting to, you know, bud and come to life and stuff like that. Um, Very simple. And in solitude, actually. But it's those moments that bring me so much joy in my life. They allow that little light inside, that little gem inside of me, the gem that we all are and have to really open up and feel grateful. And I genuinely believe that gratitude, that humility, that reverence for life is where fulfillment comes from. It's not about having the next job, car, house, status symbol. It's really from this very kind of tender, sweet, childlike place. Mm. Mm. And my dad taught me that as well. It's amazing because this morning I... And I I completely get you, but this morning in particular, I was walking back. I go to CrossFit 6.30 a.m. to 7.30. And I've noticed in the last few days that it's just starting to get bright now at 7.30. The sun's not yet up. And this morning, the colors in the sky and the moon was still hanging there. The sky was blue, 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 night blue still. But, you know, that light changing and all of it looking up at something it takes you out of yourself and it it shows you how tiny you are yeah you are and that's the power it's the power when we my dad always used to say to me look outside take a look outside and it really has dawned on me in all these years since losing him what a profound thing that is to actually say because we often forget to look at what's around us Of course, we want to be first and foremost connected to ourselves. And then from that place, when we can look out and see, that's where joy is. And And beauty. Beauty. Yeah. Grace. And Um, and resilience as well. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, funny you say that. I feel like we could have like a three hour conversation. (laughs) But no one would be listening by now. (laughs) (laughs) But it is. I remember going through some really tough times, as we all have. But the most recent tough time. And I remember again thinking, oh my God, how am I going to get through this? And all those sticky, horrible, uncomfortable emotions. And then the thing which was getting me through was every time I would go outside and have a walk, go into the forest near to my home, which is really beautiful, go and walk by the river, even if it was the same route, something would change. I would get more perspective from whatever the problem was. I would, like you were saying around resilience, I would find a source in me and I would find a way forward. So it's all out there for us. I think there is something about the outside here that's that's really vital. 
And I notice him, I mean, I, I punctuate my days in between coaching sessions and, and leadership programs with regular walks. And I'm lucky that I do live near nature. I'm just looking out the window now. It's snowing actually right now. And so I have that at my fingertips and I realize that's a blessing. But we can all find ways to, to venture out, to again, shift that energy a bit, to see what beauty surrounds us. And yeah, the humility of that, I think, is something that is really, really crucial takes us back to our center, takes us back to what's important. And um, there's so much to to behold in this life. There's so much to to take in and to to be inspired by. And anything Absolutely. can be inspiration. That's <laughs> yeah. what I find. Like sometimes people say, how do you get all these ideas for your poems? And I say, well, it's not rocket science. I just look like I can pick up this cup And if I wanted to, I could turn that into a little poem. It might not be a good one. I'm not saying that, but I'm not so fussed about what's good or or not good. I just know that if I look at this cup and I take a moment and I look at the curves and the shapes and how interacting with it makes me feel, I can write something. For me, that's (laughs) that's it. We don't need to overcomplicate it. We can look at things. Amazing. Mm. Sam, we are out of time. I know. If somebody would like to know more about you and connect with you, what's the best way of doing that? And maybe also tell us about buying your book. Yeah, of course. So I'm on LinkedIn as, oh, I think it's Samantha Allen, but I'll give you my link if you don't mind sharing that in your notes. Also on Facebook as either Sam Allen Creative Coach or Sam Allen. My website, samallencoachingcreatively.com. I will also put, give you, I don't want to list the whole thing because it will get a bit boring. I'm sure some people will switch off by now. (laughs) But my book, my book, yeah, it's on Amazon. And I will also send you all the links. Always delighted for feedback. I'm having some wonderful reviews so far. And if you want to know a bit more about it and you're curious, do read the reviews because there's quite a, a number of them from different countries and different people yeah and also maybe the last thing I'd like to add is that this year my aim is to do even more live performance so I'm now looking for opportunities to speak at book clubs to speak at events to really yeah bring my message out further into the world so if you're listening and you think hey that could be quite nice for my woman's group or my book club don't hesitate to reach out I'd really love to hear from you I think and you have a podcast yes it's called the untaming femininity podcast you know it's really nice though being on the other side of podcasting today but yeah you can find that also on apple on spotify on Anchor, et cetera, et cetera. So I can can give you all that stuff. And I'm also a contributor on Insight Timer. So I'm regularly contributing poetry and also guided visualizations. So if you're a listener um, or a subscriber, you can find me on there too. Great. Sam, thank you so much. The time just disappeared. I know, I know. And it was lovely. It was really, really lovely. And I think a lovely way to start the year as well. We're recording this in January. It might be February before it goes out, but it doesn't matter because nature is always there. And so is your creativity. Thank you. And I just want to say also, thank you for making me feel so welcome, so seen. And and congratulations on the huge success of your podcast. I know it's really popular. I know you had some kind of award if I was reading correctly I I got shortlisted for two awards wow that's amazing so just keep doing what you're doing because it clearly works and you're so great at hosting and having such a natural conversation thank you oh thanks thank you so much for listening I hope you've enjoyed the paths we traversed on today's episode 
If something rang through for you, be sure to let me know. Or maybe you can share this with someone in your life who would benefit from listening too. And if you enjoy helping others, I'd be so grateful if you would leave a review so that people who might also be curious about their own life beyond the numbers can discover this podcast too.